When a dirty clan of boys crowd the scorpion in a corner and set a ring of fire around her, no one blames the scorpion for splitting open and striking herself with her very own venom, taking her own life. This is but a myth passed on for generations and generations. To her own venom, the scorpion is immune. When these dirty clans of boys learn that she can't be bullied into taking her own life, they torture her and finish the job for her, ripping off her stinger, scorching her tail with fire, stabbing her fighting frame with her own removed limb, kicking her into walls. Either way, when clans of boys grow up to be clans of men and they want to see blood spill, they will smash her skull into the pavement. They will. Hello, I'm Cheryl Caesar and this is my poem, Handwriting. The left leg of my capital N sickles in, leaning against the right. The tail of the lowercase y deflates like a sad balloon. I blame myself. I remember a headhunter's graphologist in France declared my handwriting lacked confidence. Olivetti removed me from their hiring shortlist. My confidence deflated further. I remember an elementary teacher made me copy pages full of letters. At the top, he put D-O for do-over, over and over. Very occasionally, he'd put OK. When my hand cramped up, he denounced the letters as shaky. All I took from fifth grade was my silent hatred of him. I remember an online poetry forum where the overlords would command, read a thousand poems before you try to write another one. Advice as worthless as Bart Simpson's sentences on a blackboard. It's a betrayal and I think it is a sin to take the vulnerable and the striving and deflate them just to show your power. It's like watching someone waiting to catch them biting their nails and then calling out, why do you still bite them when I'm here to remind you? I bite myself like an animal in a trap. It may take 50 years, but I will write N-O at the top of the paper. I will fill my lungs and my letters with air. If you come to interfere, I will show you my teeth. Thank you. The unknown of your body, curvature, expanse. My eyes, cityscape lanterns beckoning home. I'm the day my touch is as familiar to you as your favorite sweater. It's cowl, my lips upon your windpipe, your windpipe, my muddled gasps the canary in the coal mine of ecstasy. Wheat. The fox thanked the boy for the color of the wheat. A different life held the boy enraptured. The fox knew this. As when a tear runs over an unheeding kiss, the lips insist on marking the moment, wedded, wistful, or no. The fox knew beauty would remain. Perhaps you cannot build a home of human beings but of their scraps. As the wheat holds the hue of the boy's hair, the fox knows the truth. It is no less his home. But in his less sure moments, he wonders at a cruel mystery, how the beauty of the wheat that built them could so easily become the straw they could not bear.
Deliquescence by John C. Manoni. I haven't seen my children in months. A serrated knife saws through the heart of small loaves, crumbs falling beside the splayed open Italian bread, whose fresh weed is pocked with labyrinths of holes. Air will cushion a mosaic of imported cold cuts. They layer in overlapping rows on white deli paper creased closed meticulously at Trinacria, a Baltimore grocery. I unfold rich smells wrapped inside the black crayon paper release. Unchanged all the aromas as a child in that deli, the Sicilian chatter, dad's discerning eye always pensive, seemed he could see beyond the store to Palermo. At this moment, I see father and mother in Sicily too, not fettered to their graves. My children, mesmerized, hungry eyes focused, their shiny pupils dark as olives. We sit on a picnic bench by a heavy oak table under maple trees at a rest stop on the way home to Tennessee. They study me as I layer Genoa salami with its mottled wine-colored flesh and fold large rounds of mortadella, its sheared pistachios embedded in pale incarnadine meat, capicola rimmed with the same orange-red shimmers, the wood ham capping the mofaletta. Smells linger, intensify with thin pieces of aricchio provolone and sweet roasted but vinegared red peppers. On the side, tomatoes, cracked green olives and shriveled black ones laced with red pepper flakes. Unity, a moment of grace. Crumbs shingle off between hungry hands. We dissolve in reflections, moist glimmers, salt. Hi, my name is Matt Duby, and this is called Interviewing a Rock Band at the Verge. What does it feel like when everyone in the club is asking the same question and you know the answer? When you first played the riff, did you know right then? Or did you have to wait till you heard the mix played back through the speakers in your car? Was it something you'd heard in your head always? Or did it sound like something new? A door opening or the ring of money in a collection plate? The lonesome whine of a dog? Do you even know how to dance? Do you know what music can do to a body when your stomach drops at the same time the hairs on your neck stand at attention, skin tight, like you're ready to explode? Do you know it before anyone else, what you're about to do to all of us? Does it ever get boring holding out on us? Do you want to just get to it to dispense with the formalities, the lead in and the build, all the foreplay and dicking around? Just let us have it, what we want. Let us go home happy. Do you ever want to hold out on us, to make us work for it because we want it, to teach us patience? Do you ever wonder what comes next? Does it feel like a lot of pressure? thinking not about what you've already done, but about what we want from you next? Did someone once make you feel like this? Did someone tell you there's a secret 
place inside a cabinet or a closet filled with toys and dishes and old posters, round buttons with steel pinbacks? Who said you can come along and upset us without asking? Is it just something that's fun for you? Or do you look at us and see someone who needs to be shaken up and decide for us that's what we really need? Hi, my name is Matt Tooby, and this is a poem called Was ist das? You ran into it, that certain something that frustrates people living abroad. The language, a closed door, you'll knock and knock, and on the other side is everything you want to understand. At the post office, if you brought parcels to ship home, the crook would tell you, Namai, simple enough, not allowed, forbidden, you'd repeat to yourself, walking home carrying bundles of contraband. Puzzled on the metro or overnight trains, accordion buses that curve through neighborhoods, you tried to sound it out, what is this? Your first night in Kiev, the hotel's first floor, a casino, come dance bar, come strip club, sitting in your booth, nursing a beer, you watched couples groove on a small dance floor that crept up against a stripper pole where the dancer didn't throw herself around in balletic ellipses. Instead, she shimmied on the dance floor, brushed against the couples. Sometimes she stroked a shoulder, sometimes slapped an ass. You wondered, your students wondered too, what you wanted to say. Show, show, they taught you. What, what was what you said when you stood on that stoop, wanting to walk through. You sounded like a baby, you thought. Your students asked, after Alina Chirp Dickinson's mantra, I'm nobody, who are you? Wasn't her vocalization precise? How to tell them that words could mean so variously. Your cleaning lady, Irina, worked her whole life in an office before she collected your dirty laundry because hers was the only washing machine in the building. Before she came on Wednesdays, you raced to wash clothes, wipe down countertops, conceal your habits. Some mornings she came early, knocking on your door, Allo, Panmechu, and what a relief it was, after six months, to know enough to say, Chas, which meant, depending, time, right now, or give me a minute. She could wait on the other side of the door to learn which it was. When we moved to the moon, we never considered where'd we go on vacation. Betting babysitters, forgetting Wi-Fi passwords, not being able to storm off after an argument, constellation proximity, paying fines on overdue library books, a petless existence, the eventual overcrowding, and where do we go next? Obstructed views with unobstructed ideas, expedited cancellations, the side effects of every color matching gray rubbing oils from fake plastic tree leaves between our pointers and thumbs, suffering generational fatigue, return policies, losing our car keys and our car. What new tastes like? Sacrificial. Bite down on soft cheek flesh and watch the blood pool from translucent tissue. Tooth is metaphor is madness of the ruthless world from which you cannot extract me. If blood is needed as vehicle to drive the tenor in, then what have I become to bolster this holy savage and untenable act in my own tender mouth? One morning, brain popping like fireworks in a backyard, my father had one put down his shirt by his friends when he was a child. Sipping my second coffee, streaks of light sneaked in the Venetian blinds on the basement window. And it was then I thought I heard God, the same way you listen to neighbors upstairs getting ready for work, turning off the radio. Years later, 
Sunday at 9.31 a.m., that same voice returned while I changed my five-year-old's diaper, moved my toes, gone cold from too many windows left open overnight, hoped my wife's migraine dissipated by lunch, only to realize I'd been talking to myself all along. Royal King The polyester leaves a rusty tinge on the side of the desk, marking of a soiled tea bag left to rot. Wet detritus seeping out in a slow trickle, like blood oozing from a wound, hanging limply, clenching to the surface. It is motionless, aside from a label fluttering in a slight breeze, like a welcome wave, oscillating harmonically, casting a quivering shadow on the gloss. Through the gossamer silk, spelling royal king, majesty left for desiccant. Life as the bittersweet of coffee. I have understood faith in the irony of detergents wafting saints. To come through the heat, you unmake your heart a desert of grief into an orchard where chirping of crickets lull you at dusk and flower pickers wake you at dawn. Last night, I stared at life and saw a roadside chrysanthemum, stuffed it in my mouth, and my tongue became a war-torn city, my truth an aperture consuming a continent with its roadblocks. And when a stomach is protruded with emptiness, it becomes a temple no one dares enters barefooted, save a calvary of feast, fit for the royalty. But how do we enjoy crystals of the day and escape darkness of the night? But there are stars, moon, there are meteors waiting to ash our wishes.